Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, I'm excited to introduce you to a new friend and a great man. His name is Joe Higgins, and he has been a working medium for over 20 years. Joe has also taught classes in mediumship and is a certified Reiki master. He has completed the Morris Pratt Institute training and a residential course in pastoral skills in Lilydale, New York. Joe has brought relief and comfort to countless people over the years, and he has worked on missing persons cases, cold cases, and murder investigations, as well as connecting clients to their loved ones who have passed to the other side. Joe is the author of four great books. Hello, Anyone Home? A Guide on How Our Deceased Loved Ones Try to Contact Us Through the Use of Signs. His second book, The Everything Guide to Evidence of the Afterlife, A Scientific Approach to Proving the Existence of Life After Death. Also, Always Connected for Veterans, Deceased Vets Give Guidance from the Other Side. And his fourth book is titled, I Got Your Message, Understanding Signs from Deceased Loved Ones. I'm very excited to say if you're coming to Boston in February 2019 to my very first conference, which is called We Don't Die Boston, Joe will be one of the speakers. And you can find out more about that conference on my website, which is called wedontdieboston.com. And you can also visit Joe's website, which is joehiggins.com. Joe, a very warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hi, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I really have been looking forward to talking to you because, like I, we had mentioned earlier, the only time I get to see you is like thousands of miles away or at some type of symposium where we're, we're uh, overtaken by you know so many people we don't have a chance to talk to everyone. I know. Joe and I met in Arizona only to find out that we live about 45 minutes apart. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> So I passed by your area this this afternoon, and I'm really grateful to talk to you, and super grateful that you're willing to speak at my first conference. That's a big deal to me. So thank you. Well, I, I really look forward to it because I think with some of the uh, the research uh, I've done on signs and, and some of the uh, information we can bring to some of the people, um, it's going to be helpful to a lot of people. It'll be fascinating and interesting to interact with people, and they can talk about some of their sign stories. And, uh, and hopefully they can, you know, go away feeling much happier and, and, and you know, just more positive knowing that their loved ones are still around them. Yes, I can't, can't wait so, to get into that. Yeah. But before we do, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this wonderful world of studying the afterlife and mediumship? Well, I, I think it's, uh, it started when I was a kid. I mean, I was one of these kids that never got to sleep at night because there was always a lot of activity going on in my room. And so I was probably six, seven years old, eight years old, something like that. And I could, I, I was at that point sentient, which means I could sense other things around or other people around me that you couldn't see. So, um, so as a child, I was always picking up this information. I would be seeing certain things, definitely, like I said, feeling different things. And then I could finally develop into knowing if it was a male or a female and, and their ages. So, but back then, you really didn't have too many people you could talk to about. So it was kind of like you kind of kept it to yourself. Right. And then when I turned to my teens and, and, and early 20s, then life kind of started taking over. And it was like, you know, I'd, go, I'd be going to sleep and I'd be like, listen, people, you know, have fun, do whatever you want, but don't wake me up because I got to get up for work in the morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Real earth life problems, you know, you know, our responsibilities kicked in. And it's like, you know, I, I don't have time to kind of like, you know, see what's going on and investigate this because, you know, I got to get up early and I got to get my sleep. So, but then, you know, as I, I kind of aged, I ran into people of like mind and every once in a while we talked about it. But uh, eventually I, I had eventually had walked into a spiritualist church. Someone had invited me to go to one. And I realized that other people all, all had very similar experiences when they were growing up. Oh, this is fantastic. 
And that's really when I started to bloom, meaning I, I could talk to other people about certain experiences. We could bounce things off each other and then really started to sit down and develop some of these, um, some of these gifts, some of these awarenesses that I've had since I was a child. Never and had. Once you start practicing. Huh? Well, you never had any fear of the people or any of that when you were younger? Yeah, at, at the beginning, sure. When I was younger and stuff, there was fear and uh, to a certain extent. And it was, it was basically, um, really didn't know what was going on. And it was just like, it was like being very hyper aware of things because you could sense these things, but you just didn't know anything about them because there really weren't any books back then no. about, you know, about the afterlife or, um, you know, uh, connecting with loved ones and stuff like that. I mean, people talked about it once in a while, but usually if the adults talked about it, it was like late at night, you know, when the kids weren't around after they had a few drinks, you know, right, or, right. or after a funeral or something like that. So we really didn't know um, because the, the TV shows hadn't come out, the, the popular books hadn't come out. And um, so it was just, uh, you had to kind of live with it because you really couldn't talk to people about it. Makes but sense. luckily though, that stuff started to change. But as a child, yeah, there was... Um, you know, people said, oh, he, he's very sensitive. He's very sensitive to things. So they kind of left it at that. And um, it's funny because when I was older, I, had, I read a, a book by James Von Prague, you know, a great medium. And uh, I finished reading the book and I wanted to give the book to my mother and, you know, see how she would feel about it and stuff. So I um, stopped off to talk to her and she's, she's sitting in front of the TV sewing something. Like, mom, we just finished this great book by Von Prague and stuff. It's about people that, you know, connect with loved ones on the other side and they get signs and stuff like that. She didn't miss a beat. She's got her head down and she's sewing and she's like, you know, people used to come to your grandmother hmm. and go in the back room. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, she used to tell them stuff and then they would leave. And I'm like, really? You know, you, you couldn't have told me this like. <laughs> 20 years ago, right? <laughs> you know, and it was like no big deal, but I, I think we learned, you know, over the years that this type of gift or sometimes the sensitiveness, it runs in families mm -hmm. and, or, you know, it can skip generations and stuff. But usually if there's someone that has that, there's usually a relative that also has the ability to, um, to connect at some level with the other side or, some type of psychic ability where they might be just um, really, you know, a little bit more sensitive to things that are going to happen or have happened, you know, and, and make connections and stuff like that. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a real big, it's a, it's a very complex, but simple, you know, thing with energy. And it's just, to me, it's just like really cool. And that's why I've always, I've always been working on it for the whole, my whole life. That's great. I also think it's very cool. And once you found spiritualism or the spiritualist church, did you start taking classes? Yes, actually I did. What I did was I actually, uh, I had gone to a demonstration by Von Prague mm -hmm. and there was a lot of people there, but the energy was just so fantastic and talking to like-minded people. It was just wonderful to be in the community of, there was a couple hundred people there. Um, and I didn't get a reading or anything, but it was just being around those people. Right. And um, I, I sat next to a, a man who was from Salem, and we we did a um, I think we did something with psychometry, and that's reading objects. So Von Prague had us exchange objects, and then we're going to see if we had natural abilities to be able to pick up something from these objects um, that we could relate to the other person, because I think we all have. We all have six sense, yes. you know, and, and we use different terms. People use it like, um, you know, a uh, mother's intuition, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a gut feeling, or you're thinking about someone and all of a sudden the phone rings. So we all have these psychic abilities and to a certain extent, some of them, you know, are more developed than others, but I, you know, everyone has them and stuff. And so we did the, um, the exchange. I didn't get much on his a little bit, but. He actually brought through my father because of the, um, he had, I was wearing his watch, but he didn't know it. So that really piqued my interest. And then, but he had just started doing development at a spiritual church. So he invited me up to join the class. 
um, that was going to start the newer one in January and stuff. I said, sure. So I traveled from, from Fall River up to Swampskit, which is about an hour and a half, something like that, um, every weekend to go to take this, to take development classes in mediumship and to learn more about, you know, all aspects mm-hmm. of afterlife communication and things like that. That's why I took the Morris Pratt, which is a series of courses that kind of run the gamut from everything from mediumship to channeling to all the woo stuff you can think of <laughs> just so that I would have a background. You know what I mean? So when you mm-hmm. run across people, you know, you know what's going on and stuff. So plus it was like, you know, we just said, it's really cool and fascinating. So it was like a sponge yes. and I just soaked up everything and anyone I ran into their stories. And it was, uh, in a way, the way I went, you know, Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you first started out in mediumship and that feeling when you worked with a person and you were able to bring through the oh, yeah. one? Well, I remember the, we used to sit for light some incense, put some music on, some on or something like that, mm-hmm. sit in a dark room for an hour and a half, two hours and get nothing. Get nothing. And we did that in about months and months. And then eventually we would get flashes of something and then we'd get a little bit more. And then the next thing you know, in a couple of years, we're given readings with our eyes open and, you know, information just flowing right through, evidential information. So that means the person can understand exactly who it is that's coming through. You know, personalities or shared memories, uh, certain things like that, that only the person sitting would recognize. And then when you do that, you actually get the residue you get the residual feeling of that love that passes through between you i mean between the sitter and their loved one you know it comes through you so you pick up part of that love that love stream and it's just it's so so i don't know it's just unbelievable it just feels really warm and loving and puts life in perspective and that's when i was like wow this stuff is like really it's it's just it's who i am and at that point, I was like, there's no turning back. This is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. I know that feeling and no turning back. Joe, this is the last yeah. thing I ever thought I'd be doing in my life because I didn't even believe in this stuff. So the fact that I'm this messenger and I and I love it. I love the difference that this information brings and being able to bring good people and their stories to others. Yeah. I mean, oh, for it, life I, I, and I, beyond. It's it's a blessing. I mean, mm. to me, it's it's a blessing in my life and other people I've talked to. It's, you know, I mean, what greater thing can you do is to bring, you know, healing and peace to people. You know, I mean, I'm, I think I'm blessed to be able to do this type of work. Yeah, me too. I have. Plus, I'm always, I'm all, I'm sorry. No. Plus, I'm always very, I'm inquisitive. So I'm always asking questions and on this side and that side. A lot of times, I, when I tell people I'm sitting with and stuff, I say, if I'm quiet, I'm asking them questions. Sometimes they're questions I just want to know about life and what's going on. Sometimes they tell you, sometimes they don't. But, um, yeah, I do that. And, and when I started doing the, the books, a lot of the channeling, I started mm-hmm. to work with some groups, some individual groups, to get that information out, specifically for the veterans. My current book is for people who have lost children. So I'm working with uh, with some children on the other side, and um, to answer some questions, and um, to so that people in those circumstances can get some feedback about you know, especially like the veterans, you know, why we go to war and blah 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 and stuff like that. So, so my uh, I'm like the interviewer for the other side, something like that. Well, I'd love to hear more about that because obviously there's a big theme going through your books, and it is signs, and I know for myself as having some loved ones who are in the spirit world and for what other people say is how do I know? Um, so when you first got, when did you first get the instinct that you had to write a book on signs? The first time I got it was when, after my aunt had passed mm-hmm. um, and I was very close to her and I asked for a sign if she could, um, I was just thinking about it. It was probably a week after the funeral and stuff. And I asked her a sign if she was around. And about three minutes later, five minutes later, I, I went through a drive-thru for some iced tea. 
and I looked down, and there was all this fresh lawn, uh, I mean, fresh dirt, the landscape is that just put down, and there was one green little thing. I'm like, what is that? And oh my God, it's a shamrock. So I stopped in the middle of the drive through opened the car door. The guy behind me thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, I don't care. I'm grabbing this thing. Mm-hmm. So I, and I plucked it, and it was, um, it was a four-leaf clover. Mm. Now, my aunt was very, very Irish. Both sides of her family came from Ireland. When she passed, we had Irish bagpipers. I had sent, um, I had a, um, a big shamrock that was uh, put next to the casket, and she had uh, green carnations on the casket. So mm-hmm. it was a perfect connection between her and I. And so then I, I, I told a friend of mine what I had found, it, and, and, and I said, it's, it's amazing. So she wanted to see it, and we were going to look at probably a day, you know, a day or two later or something. So I put it in some plastic to keep it. So things actually were supposed to meet that night, but we didn't. So we ended up seeing each other another day later or something. But by the time she got in the car and looked at it, it had started to shrivel up and, and lose its shape. But it was she could still tell it was a four-leaf clover. But it was it was not worth putting it under glass or anything like that at mm-hmm. that point. But she witnessed it. So I was like, wow. A couple of days later, I'm thinking, oh, man, I wish I had saved that because that's you know, you know, a nice message and stuff. So then I said, Eileen, can I get another message? <laughs> can I get another sign from you? And as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, my God. This is one thing I tell people is, you know, don't get greedy. If you get a sign, be very grateful for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, don't start, you know, badgering them that sometimes we can do it. Like, oh, I want another one. I want another one. I want another one. Because what that happens, that it tells them that you really don't believe. And as soon as you accept and, and truly believe that you're getting a sign from a loved one, you'll see the, the, a lot more coming through for you. Ah, good to know. So, so they re- yeah, so they don't want to be tested. You know? So I accepted it. I said, no, I understand. I feel guilty for asking again, but no, I'm sorry. You know? and, and thank you for sending me the first one, which is very important to acknowledge it and thank them for the sign. So like a day later or something, we were at the beach. It's like three or four o'clock. We're we're running late. We're supposed to meet some friends for dinner. And um, I said, we better get going. So we packed up the the cooler and the chairs and a bunch of other things and heading back to the parking lot. And uh, we cut through this little grove of trees. And we're both walking pretty quickly because we're behind schedule and stuff and we're having a conversation and then all of a sudden i just stopped a dead stop all in one motion i bent down and there's a whole field of clover and in one motion i picked i I was focused in on one clover i picked it and as i started coming up my girlfriend screaming she said oh no don't tell me and i picked it up and looked at it and it was another four-leaf clover Hmm. she started to cry i started to cry and i'm like Thank you, Eileen. That one is under glass. It's on my desk right now. Nice. So two signs, two, two four-leaf clovers, which I've never found one in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And um, They're rare. To my aunt, so They're very rare. They are rare. Yeah. Especially two in 10 days or, mm-hmm. or eight days or whatever it was. So then I decided, I had always, I had started writing a book on a few different things. But then I decided I'm going to write a book on signs because... It's something that everyday people can relate to and they don't have to have a background in, you know, you know, in spiritualism or quantum physics or, you know, astronomy or some other stuff. And I said, no, this is going to work. And also the lady I was seeing at that time, she was a widow. And when her husband passed, she started getting signs from him, but then she thought she was going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think a chapter two in my book is, no, you're not going crazy. It's, it was named after her mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she was getting signs from her husband, Jay, and she didn't realize it until she started talking to other widows and they had gotten signs from their husband. And then I said, okay, wait, I just got these two great signs in 10 days. She has gotten signs from her deceased husband. Some of her friends have. I said, this is it. I'm going to write it on the site. And um, I, I think it'll help a lot of people make it an easy read so people can understand, you know, how they get them, when they get them, if they get them, why else they get them, you know, and things like that. 
So that's when I really started focusing the research on that particular phenomenon. And then, as uh, you know, in the last few years, I brought in, uh, like I said, the groups of the veterans or children and stuff, which I get insight from them from the other side. But also, um, I put some science stories in there to people that, um, who have lost veterans or who have lost children to show that the connection is still there. You know, mm-hmm. we're always we're always connected, and, um, and the science is just it's it's an it's a really in your face evidential means of you know verifying that life does go on because it gets to a certain point where it's not coincidence anymore. Uh, statistically, it's a lot of these science and stuff are astronomical. You know, can you it's give like some expression? You can't examples. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah, can you give some examples? Thanks for that, by the way, but. Um... Is different thoughts going through my mind because first you said you have to believe because it's so easy for, yep. I think, our mind to go, oh, that was just a coincidence. But you have right. enough of them, they can't be coincidences anymore. Exactly. I mean, you get to the point where it's like, okay, I got it. And that's actually why, you know, the, the, the other book was named, I got your messages. Like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> because at some point you just, as I say, you know, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and looks like a duck, duck. We it's know it's not an elephant. It just might be a duck. Right. So, um, what are the different kinds of know, signs? So, well, the most common signs are, um, or the connections that people come through is through our dreams. Oh, um, it's just because it's, it's a lot easier for them to communicate with us that way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the signs will have to do with, um, things that are going to grab your attention. So, you're looking at, they're very good with the scents and smells, sounds, music, certain songs, animals, coins, sequential numbers, feathers. They can manipulate electricity. So what they do is, after someone passes, they do an evaluation to see if a sign's going to be given at all. Because sometimes they're not going to send a sign because if they feel like that sign is going to cause the person more stress, and anxiety or confusion, they won't send it. They might they might send it through a, a, a relative or a friend. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot of times um, because the person is just not up for it. Um, and other times, they, they don't necessarily send a sign because sometimes it's against people's cultural or religious beliefs. I've had a lady say to me, you know, I really want to believe, but I can't because my religion says I can't. Interesting. So that can, yeah, that can interrupt things. But like when my dad first started coming through, I could smell cigar smoke. Mm-hmm. So when he was around and there was no one smoking house and the windows are closed. And when I was writing one of the books, I remember he came around and it got to the point where I was like, dad, you got to back up because you're choking me. I can't, I can't function on my, doing my work. I said, it's like, I'm getting really smoked out. Here. So he pulled back a little and, uh, with my mom, um, there was a lot of electricity things going on and off. And uh, so it was nice because a couple of people had witnessed that. And that's another thing that I talk about. In one of the books is um, group messages, group signs. And that's to reinforce it through multiple people and stuff, which is really, really cool how they do that. But they got this whole thing worked out. So, I mean, if someone passes over, they go through their memories. And if they decide a sign is going to be given they want to know they'll decide then where and at what time and stuff like that and they'll actually go through the shared memories of one that's going to get the sign mm-hmm. and the person that crossed over it's almost like a um it's like a supermarket analogy i like to use it's like they're walking down the aisle of a supermarket instead of reaching up and seeing like you know, um you know cornflakes and tomato sauce and stuff like that they're saying first communion um, trip to Hawaii, um, my first car, um, a locket I gave my daughter. And they're going to pick out certain things that are going to remind the one that's here about, um, about their connection. So, and then they will use, like I said, songs are great. Someone has a favorite song and you're thinking about someone you're driving down the road, you're on the radio, bang, the song's right there. Yes, I know that one or, well. You might Very common. And so they try to make it as very simple as possible. Um, coins have been used for a long time because they can be repetitive. Um, so if someone finds a penny or something like that, and it's around the time they're thinking of their loved one, then the loved one will continue to use that sign 
for further contact. So, um, so there's, you know, there's just so many different things they use. Scents are very popular, especially with like my grandmothers and women and stuff. You can smell their perfume. My dad was like scars or sometimes it's people with cigarettes. Um, so that's very popular. And, um, and there's, there's, you know, there's really like dozens and dozens of different signs, depending on the individual, the way they want to connect with them. Joe, do you related. believe that uh, when we transition to the afterlife, we have to learn how to do these signs? The reason I'm asking that is I had a friend, that a guy that I met who he's never gotten a sign from his dad is what he says. And he just doesn't know right. why that is. And, I, and part of me thinks, I don't think when we cross over, we're given all the information and knowledge in the universe. I think we're still people <laughs> and there's more learning to be right. done. Do you, do you think there's some kind of education or, oh, and also like, do they, yeah, they have to test it out, you know, and keep getting stronger at it and keep trying from their point of view. Yes. They'll have guides and stuff that will help them with evaluation and how to send it. But sometimes it's it is sometimes they have to learn it and and sometimes people as i like you know the expression they go off the reservation and sometimes they can overwhelm someone on the side um and come in too close or too fast and it can cause uh, disruptions you can be scared or something like that mm-hmm. and it's because they're too anxious they just wanted to come through so so quickly and so you know so strongly that they didn't follow the quote protocol unquote you know, that the guy's trying to teach them. So it does take time for some people to be able to uh, send that sign. But a lot of times what I found is people will say, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. But subconsciously they'll say, not really. I'm still scared of a little bit of the doubt. And a lot of times that that's what kind of builds up a blockage where people won't get the sign. Um, Doubt has a very, very way of, way of, of, of destroying it or blocking it. If they're an emotional or mental, certain emotional mental states, um, it'll be difficult to get through. Okay. Um, if they're not ready, maybe they're not ready for a particular sign for some reason. Um, they won't send one, you know, but if someone is very anxious about it or really, when I say you want to, Ask for a sign that invites them in to give a sign because you have to, you really want to invite them in and, um, and then let it go. Don't put any conditions on it. I've had people ask for signs and they said, listen, I want to sign mom, but not next week because I'm going on vacation and the week after I get soccer practice with the kids and stuff. And I'm listening to them. I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm sure your mom's going to pull out a calendar and say, okay, <laughs> yeah, we're going to wait. We're going to wait on that sign, Missy. So, Ask for the sign, let it go, and then just be open to its possibilities. And eventually, eventually something will come through. Well, it's interesting that you talk like this because, uh, it's first of all, it's very funny. I can totally get it. But our minds, I find, well, I'll talk about myself, are normally so busy that I'm not paying attention. There could be a dozen signs that happen, but if I'm living so much in my head, thinking about tomorrow, thinking about yesterday, you know, not really paying attention to what's in front of me, I'm, I might miss it. So do you recommend that people be a little bit more in the present moment and be open oh God, for yes. signs? Oh, yeah. I think doing a meditation or active meditation, anything that quiets them down, mm-hmm. opens up the opportunity. Because you're right. It's like if they want to send a sign, and, you know, you're on your cell phone, you got this going on, you got, you know, you got the responsibilities of life, you're worried about this and all this other stuff. It's, it's tough to get that sign through. But if, let's say, you know, you're at the beach for a couple of days or something and you're relaxed and you're not really thinking about things and your mind wanders, that's a great time for it to come through. If you can get into that state, like where you're daydreaming mm-hmm. um, or, or maybe if you're if someone likes to paint or listen to music, something that's relaxing, gardening, anything that's repetitive, and you just kind of like, you, you you know, your blood pressure goes down, you're not as stressed, you're relaxed. Dang, that's the time that the, they can get through much, much more easily. No, I we just, make it difficult for them. Yeah, I mm-hmm. just thought about 
sitting with my cat on the lap, my lap. And if I'm just paying attention to just relax and clearing my mind, if there's nothing yeah. there, I could and probably pay attention if a scent comes in or, you know, something else. Right. Or they, they, they might put an idea in your mind. A lot of times, like with the music and stuff, mm-hmm. um, they can actually, they, if they know a particular song is going to come on or something like that, they'll actually put the idea in your mind that mom's here. And then all of a sudden you'll be thinking of your mom or, or your partner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the song will come on and it'll be their favorite song. You know? And then other times they'll just do outright electronic manipulation to um, you know, have an old radio that's never worked. And all of a sudden you clean out the garage and you turn it on and it works. And a particular song comes out of it that was your father's favorite song. And then the radio doesn't work ever again. That really happened. It happened to a, a DJ. I think it was down south. And I was doing a radio interview and he told me that story. And it was like a Hank Williams song or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was his father's favorite song. And it was an old radio we found out in the barn. And, um, and he turned it on and the thing worked and it never worked before, but it played one song. It was a Hank Williams song and the thing died and didn't play anything ever again. And he was a big doubter until it bad happened. That's so interesting. I had something neat yes. happen. Um, I had been f- fairly sad, even though I believe in the afterlife, I do miss my dad. There's, and you know, there's a song that come on or something I see on TV and it'll remind me of him. And I remember going to bed and just saying, Dad, give me a sign, you know, give me a sign you're with me. And Joe, it was the coolest thing because in my mind's eye, it's like I got a slideshow of images of things he and I had done together. And some of those things, like I, if I was creating the slideshow, I wouldn't have used because I didn't even remember them. Some of the things from childhood and stuff. So that was one of the most comforting things. But, you know, my belief was there and I did what you said, ask. And that was really, I mean, it was priceless. I wish I could have those pictures, not just be in my mind. That's a great, that's a great example because that actually is like, you know, when they're showing shared memories. Yes. Like the, the supermarket analogy I said, and you get to see it in like a, you know, a slideshow. And that, that's great. Uh, what I've been told too is a lot of times they will visit us and consciously we won't realize it. Some people say, Oh, my loved one has never visited me. Mm-hmm. And they actually have. They've done it at night when you were sleeping and you just don't realize it, but they have made that contact. And other times people in their dreams will have a vivid dream um, and make contact with their loved one, which is, happens kind of pretty often after, right after the uh, death. A lot of times the loved one will come to them sometimes just before they die, but uh, sometimes within a few days or a week after they die. Right. So they pick their time. I would think that'd be very comforting to have one of those dreams just to know. Well, here's a great, great one that came um, in in a dream. You know, the song by um, Paul McCartney, let it be. Mm -hmm. Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be, let it be. Yes. I always thought it was Mary. Mother Mary was, you know, Christ's mother. Yeah. It's not. It was his mother who had died when he was young. And he was worried about relationships because all the other guys, band members, had girlfriends, and he didn't at that point. And uh, woke up in the middle of the night, and it was an apparition of his mother, his mother Mary, the foot of his bed. Oh, um, wow. Let it be, let it be. Yeah. Yeah. So... And then and when he got up in the morning, he wrote the lyrics to the, uh, to the song, the wonderful song, Let It Be. It was about his mother. So next time any, all your listeners listen to that Beatles song, um, it's, it's, um, it's a wonderful connection between Paul and his mother. And, and then you really listen to the words. So, and, and, you know, it happens. Yeah. I mean, and there's other, it's just, it's just, more evidence, you know, and it happens. I, there's been studies that between 20 million and 80 million Americans have had some type of after-death communications. That's a lot. A dream. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's conservative. And that's just in America, you know? So 
it's not uncommon. Joe, I'm huh? looking at an old birthday balloon that I have in my bedroom right now. It has still got air in it, but it's reminding me there was a woman that I had spoken to and her husband had died and she was out for a run on the beach and it was her birthday and a deflated balloon washed up right in front of her on the beach and it said happy birthday. So perfect. That was her sign. She was thinking about her husband. I mean, that, that that's pretty obvious, you know, and, um, so there's really been some beautiful signs that I have heard of, but I really like, cause I, I really like that you say, believe and ask, and then just let it go. Yes. Don't be demanding. Yes. Cause I think belief yes. being in the present moment, these are all things, cause I want to get more signs. Who doesn't? But do, am right. I, am I asking, am I really believing? And am I really being open and paying attention? I have to say no. And, and- <laughs> And by letting go, it's important because you you might get, you know, some people like, oh, that's a sign. That's a sign. That's a sign. That's a sign. And then they're overwhelmed thinking everything they see is a sign. I know. Sometimes a bird is a bird is a bird. That's right. You know, but other times it's not because, you know, you don't want to force it. And, and, and when you get a sign, you can tell because you get that chill down your back or mm-hmm. you get a wow sensation about it and or a really good warm feeling. And then you've made that connection. And then once you have, it's easier for them to make the connection again. And a lot of times they'll try to connect with us when, especially around stressful times, um, they're always around us, but they get a little bit closer around stressful times because they know when we're stressing out and they can hear, they can hear our prayers, they can hear our conversations. So um, it's important to keep that dialogue going because they're here to guide us. They, they, they want to see us be happy. They don't want us to be stressed. They want us to enjoy life. They want us to laugh. I think laughter is a, one of the biggest tools that we come to when we're born. We come to the earth with laughter. And I think it just balances out all our mechanisms throughout our body. And it's important that we use laughter. And, um, and they like to, and, you know, they like practical jokes. And they, <laughs> that's uh, good to hear they, oh god yeah they'll send them through signs too they'll send all sorts of practical stuff and um they love it they really do love it they they love the higher energy and um so you know like uh, the holidays we had talked about that coming around the holidays it's difficult for a lot of people yes but they're there for the the family gatherings they're there for the fourth july parties the christmas parties the graduation parties, the weddings, they never miss a wedding. Um, they're there for all those things and they will make themselves known through signs at these events. Um, if not to a particular person, someone else, or perhaps the whole group. And, um, and, and people share stories and, and, and that's how, that's what's important too about when I put these sign stories in the book, because it's really important other people read about, people's stories because then they feel like, oh, wow, it's happening to other people. And then even though the person might not get a sign, if they know these other people are getting signs, then they can start to realize, wait a minute, there is an afterlife. This stuff is really happening. So there's more to life. And maybe I should start to live my life that way, knowing that there's a bigger picture. I might not know it now, and I might not know the whole picture when we pass, like you said. But there is a bigger picture, and life does go on, and we will see our loved ones again, even though maybe I haven't got the sign yet, but all these other people are getting these great signs and stuff. So it's um, I can look at it with an analytical brain and say, wait a minute, something's told. So it's good to share. That's why it's important to share these science stories. Yeah, you, you, you know, always... In, in people's, in, well, we, sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, we always hear so, as a kid, you know, if you put a smile on your face, you'll feel better. And... It's yes. like an act as if. So sometimes people say, well, I need to be proven something before I can believe. And it's like, you don't. You can actually do it the other way around. You believe and you right. don't. You know, there's, um, what did my dad would always say, uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You know, um, I think that's Henry right, Ford's that's quote. that's exactly right. But the same thing holds yeah. true with signs and how to live life. 
I, you know, I always say about science is science always comes in second place because people say, oh, you know, you have to prove it first. As I said, that's not true. I mean, there were x-rays and solar rays and stuff before they, you know, and microwaves before they discovered them. Very true. You know? There's a zillion, zillion things out there that science hasn't discovered yet. It doesn't mean that they don't exist. It's just that we don't have the tools to, you know, discover them yet. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the afterlife um, you know, belief or, or proof. There's a lot of things that have come out in the last 30 or 40 years um, with different um, scientists working on different types of, uh, you know, uh, experiments and stuff like that, that are really starting to open up the, the ability to, you know, possible multiple dimensions and things like that. But with the science, that's just like, you know, you, me, and the average person walking down the street, you know, we can make that connection and say, hmm, that was interesting. Then it happens again. And then we read about someone else and we can say, wow, there's something going on here. And, you know, let the scientists do their crazy stuff and come up with what they want to. But I think for the average person, they've known for, you know, for thousands of years, people have been getting signs and uh, um, known about the afterlife and had mediumship and some type of communication through dreams. Mm-hmm. It's been, you know, it's been documented for thousands of years. So I think the the proof is really, it's, it's, it's really overwhelming. And for people, um, I think a lot of people that doubt it, um, at some point, at some level, they're afraid, which, which is normal, which is normal. Um, and you know, because everyone's at different levels of awakening or, or acceptance, you know, some people, are afraid of it because it might it might rock their world with their religion or their upbringing or it might bring up more questions than they care to ask and um but for a lot of us you know the, the expression the cat's out of the bag you know i'm seven years old and there's stuff going on in my room mm-hmm. i know my whole life or like you all of a sudden you pick it up later on in life but you know um i mean and we're, I mean, we're human. We still have doubts about certain things, but they kind of go by the wayside the more the more we look into things and have more experiences and talk to more people or listen to more great radio shows mm-hmm. that people like you produce. So that, you know, we know that there's a lot of other things going on out there and the people are having these wonderful experiences. And guess what? I can, I can have them too, or at least I can listen and learn from them, you know? Yeah, I have a Facebook group if anybody's interested. You too, Joe. If you go to Facebook and you just type in We Don't Die Listeners, it's a private group. And so many people post the signs that they're getting. And why I think that's cool is my brain goes, ooh, I didn't even know that could be a sign. And then suddenly, and it might be a subconscious thing, I am now open to receiving that kind of sign. So that's right. I think to hear from other people and be able to talk to them. Um, I had a question I wrote down. We, you had said something about laughter, and I personally believe laughter feels great and raises our vibration. Do you think that how we're feeling can impact the signs we get? Meaning if we're heavy in grief or depressed, uh, and, and then the flip side is, can we do things to raise our vibration kind of a thing? Can you speak a little bit about that? Sure. Um, emotional disruption or mental fatigue or something, stress can definitely block it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's like a lot of times. So right after someone passes, it might be, you know, really heavy in the grief and they'll come through a friend or a relative to send a sign because the particular person might not be able to accept it because their, their energy in their body is just kind of like unbalanced and out of whack because of the, of the, um, the grief that they're going through. So that has a tendency to block things a lot. Um, if people are very manic and they're all over the place doing 10 things at once, it's tough to get your attention mm-hmm. because you have that particular state. And so you can raise your vibration by either uh, meditation will, will calm you down and put you in a more relaxed state. Um, laughter, being around friends, dancing, anything that, that brings joy to you. It kind of puts you in that uh, a nice, warm and fuzzy feeling state. That works great. Um, a lot of times, people, you know, just daydreaming is a great way to, to to set your body into a, you know, a state of awareness 
without having to, you know, figure out the equation for the Rubik's Cube or something, you know? Right. I think in modern times, it's gotten much, much more difficult than it was 100, 200 years, years ago because, you know, you're probably doing manual labor or something like that or out on a farm or something and have a lot of downtime where you would be able to much easier to connect with spirit um, than these days. So we have to be a little bit more active um, in keeping our bodies, um, you know, in a better balance in order to receive a sign. I mean, you can still get a sign, you know, being in all those states. But it's a lot easier if you're more uh, kicked back and, um, you know, enjoying your life and things aren't as stressful. Joe, should we keep a I, notebook of signs or keep some kind of a log of what we're getting? Or do you think that would be helpful? A diary? Sure, absolutely. Because what happens is you'll start to see a pattern and, and, and oh. they will follow that. Really? That's one of the biggest reasons. That's one of the biggest reasons coins work because they'll start to follow a pattern and then you'll be able to realize it and they won't have to keep coming up with new signs to get to you. So that's why you get some people that always get feathers or they always get coins. You know, a lot of them will always get very similar signs because they know they've made the connection. They've made the connection on the other side. They know that we accepted it and say, thank you. Always thank them for you know, receiving a sign. And then that just opens up the, you know, it's like a fire hose. The information just can come back and forth a lot better because it's been given, it's been accepted, and they accepted the manner in which it was given. So. I like that. Thank yeah. you, I think is important. Somebody had said something like, if your grandmother's given you great gifts, you know, and you love them every year, if you don't say thank you, she might stop giving them so <laughs> that's a good that's a good example sure. <laughs> right and so it's, and it's, thank you is important yeah if someone sends you a card a get well card or a happy birthday card it's just you know proper saying thank you for thinking of me mm-hmm. and you know they love it because they know not only has it radiated you know to your heart that you accept it but by verbalizing it raise your vibration and it, it just becomes more of a conscious connection for you especially but it just makes it makes the connection strong by -hmm. saying out loud thank you i got it thank you and um but my my uh, girlfriend my ex-girlfriend's uh husband jay when he came through he used to send quarters and we used to find them everywhere quarters and um Mm. yeah i used to say i said there's one thing about jay he's not cheap he sends you quarters (laughs) and uh really we'd be cleaning the house you know he's just cleaning I remember one time I cleaned the, the dining room and stuff and put down a new tablecloth, the whole nine. God, it's perfect. I turn around and I'm like, there's a quarter sitting right there. And I'm like, Nina, there's a, there's a quarter for you. I mean, they would just pop up all over the place. And, um, and other people get, you know, they get the coins or whatever, or the songs. And, uh, and, and it's great because they know that connection is there. And, you know, every once in a while I think about it, if I'm working on the latest book or I'm, I'm reading through some of the stories in the older books, and it's like, I just sit here and I smile. Wow. That is like so cool. Just like it's like, it's brand new all over again, you know? And I'm like, wow, that really happened. Wow. That just, it, it's just gotta be true. You know, just like, um, you know, a total brand new with the whole thing. So, and I get, then I get back to my regular self. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. I have I get the number thirty three as a sign, and I don't know exactly who it's from, and it it doesn't really matter. But for me, it's a little reminder of the bigger picture that's right. going on. But it gets obnoxious. There was a car. Or I I work. I have a day job working with race car teams, feeding race car uh, drivers and teams yeah. and stuff, and screaming past my tent where the race cars shouldn't be there's a car and what's the number 33 you know and sometimes it's on a billboard or sometimes it's all threes and even my mom now is like pointing them out to me because they're funny i mean i can only laugh because i do try to pay attention but that number is as bold as can be in so many places and it's like okay i remember there's a bigger picture and normally it comes when i'm frustrated or I get trapped into thinking that, you know, I'm just a little old human and or feeling sorry for myself. Right. But yeah, exactly. It's it, funny it, how it happens. 
So somebody's got a good sense oh, of they, humor. Oh, they do. They do. And they can be very ironic and stuff too. I mean, I always get um, sequential numbers. I actually did a, um, for a year, I kept notes on sequential numbers that mm-hmm. I was getting and every day and um, or every couple of days. And I noticed around stressful times or times of change that I would get more of the sequential numbers like one, 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 two, 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 um, you know, up to like seven, eight, nine times in a day. You know, like wake up in the middle of the night and it's, you know, three thirty three, things like that. Yeah. So I just, I just say thank you because it's, it's either from a loved one or a guide, but I think it's, you know, in my case, it's a lot for my guides to let them know that they're still around and supporting me. And I just say, uh, I just say, thank you. Thank you. And they keep sending them. But, uh, sometimes when they send too many, I'm like, all right, can you calm down guys? Cause I'm starting to turn into a clock. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's not, now I have friends sending me signs, uh, live that are alive, sending me numbers that they get. But, um, it's all good. It's all good. It's just, it's just learning the new language or learning the language between the two dimensions. Um, of the of life and afterlife or continued life, whatever way you want to put it. And and that's just one aspect, you know, science. And you know from all the people you've interviewed on, on your show that there are a lot of different, you know, modalities that people use and, and, and connections with, with the other side. But it's just really fascinating. Yeah, so it's I, just one piece of the puzzle. It's exciting. It really is. I had this image in my mind of the movie Close Encounters and when the um, spaceship first lands and they're playing that song, da-na-na, da-na-na. no, I'm not even close to that. But anyways, how the no, yeah, I know you mean, the yeah. scientists, how they would play it, and then the UFO would play it. And it's like, so it's finding a common language. And I think when we are open and we're believing and we're paying attention and we'll let our loved one play around and try and learn to figure out the signs on their point of view. And then I really, I really like your coaching, so to speak, believe, ask, let it go. Thank them. Right. But pay attention and, and pay attention and try to be in a good, good mental and or mm-hmm. good mental state to be able to accept them. It's like trying to play baseball. If you're trying to play catch with someone, it's a beautiful day. It's a lot easier than it's in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah, you know, or a hurricane. It's like they can't get you, they'll throw you the ball, but you're not going to know where it is because you know you're in the middle of a hurricane. And sometimes we have little hurricanes in our lives, yes, you we know, do. because of everything everything that's going on. So try to um, if people can just kind of like find time or settle time or something, um, mm-hmm. they'll get through. They'll get through if it's the right time and, and, and for the right reasons. And what did you say Don't your latest up. book is that you're? writing the latest book is is also part of the always connected series and it's for those who have lost children children uh-huh. give signs and insights from heaven and what that's going to do is it's going to answer some of the questions that you know that we all ask you know why does a child have to die is there a reason are there exit plans or, you know exit points um different times in people's lives where people can leave there'll be a chapter on suicide like I did in the veterans mm-hmm. book, because that's always very, uh, very important. People want to know answers about that. And, um, so they give me insights from the other side. And then I, you know, I share those answers, those insights, you know, with people that, um, are concerned about that particular subject. And then I have, uh, um, signs that the children have shared with their, their, uh, their parents or their relatives or friends. And so there'll be like 30 or 40 sign stories in that book too, um, just to, to, so people can see that their children are still alive and they're still, still with them throughout their lives. And um, they know what's going on and, um, and, and they send them signs. So it's, it's another you know, way of showing that we're all together. Some are here, some of us are over there, but we're all, uh, we're all part of the big picture, you know? Yeah. Do you have any words to comfort someone who has a child that has transitioned? You just bring that up. And I know there's many of our listeners that are with a wonderful group called Helping Parents Heal and other parents, obviously. But just from what you've learned about children in the afterlife before we close the show. It's very interesting. A lot of times, you know, children are, are 
a lot of them are uh, much more advanced than people think they are. Mm-hmm. A lot of them just need to come here to um, to learn a few lessons or for us to learn lessons. That's very important. Interesting. Yes. Um, there is there's a there's a bigger picture um, on why they are here. There's um, there's just so many different aspects when it comes to children because it's a very sensitive thing. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times th- we have exit points. And one of the things I learned, oh, this is very important. And I learned this for a, a child that came through it that told me. When a child passes, when you pass over, you will have the opportunity to share life and all the experiences that you thought you had missed. So if your daughter passes when she's nine years old, okay, and you die when you're 80, you'll have the opportunity when you're on the other side to start back off when that girl, that little girl was nine years old and you're younger and you will go through the entire life um, and live through all the milestones as if um, she had never passed. Wow. I have never heard that before. Yes, absolutely. And, and they also showed it to me, you live through all the milestones. So she, she passed when she was nine. You're going to go through the terrible teens. You're going to go <laughs> through the good times and the bad times too. You're going to go, you're going to live a life. You will live a life, a full life with that, with that child that you thought you had missed those milestones. I thought that was incredible when I learned that. Mm-hmm. And that was from a 11 year old girl who actually, um, who left the earth plane and took one of her exit, one of her opportunities to cross over. Um, because when I was shown, I was doing a research in Florida, she wrote, she threw, showed me two exit points. And then the final one was the end of the road, but it was a short end of the road. It wasn't like, a, they showed me a highway, but it was like, it just came to a stop. And I got the feeling, I said, She's not, she's not going to live past the age of 20. And, but she decided to take this first ramp because it was going to be easier on the parents. And it was an accident. The second one would have been more drawn out and actually would have been more painful. Well, it turns out the parents tell me that she had a rare blood disease and she was never going to be able to make it past, you know, her teens. Mm. She wouldn't have lived that long. Um, and that she died in a, you know, recreational accident when, when, like I said, when she was like nine. But the second one would have been, she would have been in the hospital for like three, four, five, six years. The parents, you know, blood transfusions, the whole nine guys. And she decided on the, you know, subconscious level or her soul level and stuff, she would take the exit point, the quick one, um, then dragging the parents through the next five years. And then if she survived that, she eventually would have passed anyways from her from her illness that she um that was that she was born with so it was very fascinating and then she told me about how when people um uh, pass over they'll meet up with their kids if they want to and live their entire lives together which was extremely powerful and i think um a lot, a lot of people a lot of parents and loved ones wonder about that they 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 very get very sad that they miss those milestones. Yes. You know, absolutely miss but opportunities, they but they won't. Yep. They won't. And I thought that was so beautiful. That's one of the reasons why I decided to write the book for children because of things like that. I've picked up in readings mm-hmm. and, um, and, and we gotta, you know, I get all this research and stuff. and You gotta share it. We gotta get it out there because it's, it's, it's to help the healing, you know, and bring peace to people. Well, I'm and it's a body of work that you put together, you know? Yeah, I'm certainly happy to share your works. They're beautiful, yeah. really great books. And excited oh. to share you. And I'm also, you know, what I'm left with personally is I think, for me, I know I have this show. I know I talk to all the guests. But living day to day, sometimes it's really easy to forget this side of me. And I just thought if I had a diary... And I could actually have a dialogue with, say, my dad or my grandmother. And as if I'm writing them a letter, you know, I think that would make it more real and even talk to them Mm -hmm. about, you know, asking for signs and believing and 
Will you do what you can do from your side? And then let it go. But then pay attention and keep that dialogue going in a notebook or a diary or something do, like that. I, I think that right, would be and do helpful. It before you, yeah, do it before you go to bed because you might start getting some communication through dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or write your diary before, you know, you, you know you're going to be at the beach or someplace where you're common stuff. And yeah. You might start to get communications from them, little little bits and pieces, depending on where you are and you know in your life and how open you are and stuff like that. But that's a great idea. I mean, I sleep with a pad of paper on my bed. I really do because that's how I get some information, like in the middle of the night and stuff. And um, I've gotten some really, really, really wild stuff in the middle of the night. Absolutely. When your mind is quiet. And I write it. Yeah, absolutely. Your mind's, you know, and just wake up in the middle. I'm like, I have to write that down. Oh, Joe. And, um, so. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've left me very inspired. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up this episode or something I should have asked you or just something you're burning to say? Or any just closing you know, words? Closing words, I think people just be open. Be open. Don't put any limitations. Love is the strongest thing. It's the connection between everything. And give yourself a break. They always say that to me. Give yourself a break. Don't be hard on yourself. And your loved ones are always around you. They're guiding you. And they're just waiting for you to ask for help. And they're there for support. So that's take that to heart. You know, yeah, and I look forward to seeing you up in Boston in February. I know, and being able to uh, talk to a lot of people and share some of this stuff. What I think the book. would be great is have you speak early enough on, and have people keep their notebook, and then by the end of the weekend, just see what signs they've paid attention yes. to. I think that might I, be I love that. Fun. I like. I've thought about doing that before. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because it'll have all of us pay attention when we're so busy. And it could be just like the smallest things. But when we pay attention, they may show up. So that's for everyone listening. February 22nd through 24th is the weekend. And you can go to wedontdieboston.com to find out more. Uh, We've got physical medium scott milligan coming in from the uk we have sonia rinaldi coming in from brazil who's a scientist who actually is doing a presentation on our 30 years of recording voices of people in the afterlife in the last two years she's actually getting photographs from people and it is talk about signs i'm just getting goosebumps even thinking of it because i've seen these pictures and it's ah, it's it's great i i think under one roof it'll be the well, close to, I'll say close to the best information about the afterlife. And you can walk in with doubts and thoughts and fears and all of our humanness. But it is my, really my stand that everyone walks out really knowing that we're souls having a human experience. Your loved ones are very much alive, cheering you on from that invisible space, giving you signs or trying to get you to see their signs and that your life is really important. So Joe will be a part of that, which I'm grateful. And also feel free to visit wedontdieradio.com. That is our home base for all past episodes. We're now up to episode 280, which is insane to think of that many, but they're great, great, great conversations uh, about the afterlife and living life. You can receive a free audio there called How to Survive Grief. It's We're recording this episode just before Christmas, and I know it can be a very tough time. And so there's some good things there. Um, Like I said, my healing audio called How to Survive Grief. I've got a PDF file, five pages called My Sandra's 19 Reasons to Believe in the Afterlife. And I also say you will receive several chapters of my book, We Don't Die, but here's the secret. It's the whole book in PDF version. So you are not alone if you're experiencing grief, not only from a community of people here on earth that you have available, but also your loved ones are are right there by your side that we promise you. So Joe Higgins, again, thank you for being our guest today. My pleasure.
and I look forward to uh, seeing you in a couple of months. I know. It'll go by fast. And for our listener, go to joehiggins.com. Check out his four books, and you'll see his smiling face there on the website. And come meet him in person in February in Boston. And it really has been a pleasure, Joe, to talk to you today. Thank you. You're welcome. And to our listener, thank you for listening. Thank you. Many, many people have been around and listening to every single episode. And I want to thank you if it's your first episode or your 280th. Uh, really, thank you for, for taking the time. And these shows are for me. They're for you. They're for our guests. They're for everybody. So that we know that, uh, well, this is my belief, that life is an education for the soul and that our lives here on earth really are important. Um, believe, ask, invite our loved ones to give us signs, let it go, add laughter to your life to lighten things up, and most importantly, say thank you. Be grateful for what you have. It's a big deal. So this is Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.